0: Hey, Hockey Moms, check out BlueLineHockeyClub.com for all the past and future podcasts. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by multiple sponsorships. Tonight we have Stadium Sports Bar, downtown Canton on Main Street. Check them out, cold beer, TVs, all your hockey games on every night. So get in there and grab a beer and relax. We also have Headstrong Graphics, Jason Livery, painting some of the coolest goalie masks in the industry. We had him on the other night, if you didn't have the chance to check out his website yet. Get on there and check it out. His his masks are like unbelievable. So check it out. Maybe I got a a son or a buddy that's playing in college or somebody in the pros looking for somebody to do their mask. Check out Jason Livery at Headstrong Graphics. Hello, welcome back to Blue Line Hockey Club, episode 47. Tonight we have the usual suspects in the house, Patrick Unclarity Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And the local IT nerd on staff, Robbie P.
1: Peters. Hey, how's your mom and them?
0: And the all-around sports guru, Derek D-Train. He too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, up sweetheart? You know. And your host tonight, Mark the Doctor, Morley. Like, oh, doctor. Yeah. Very, very special guest sitting in with the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, George the fucking The Rock. What's up, George? How are you?
2: Awesome. How are you guys doing?
0: Good. good Good. thanks for coming on george just so Come we know george is uh 13 years in the nhl 700 games 153 points and wait for it 1200 fucking pins baby that's right over 100 fights man you uh you're an animal out there what do you think about um the no enforcer bullshit that's going on in the league nowadays george
2: well, right now, already things have changed. It's not the same as uh, it used to be. You um, <laughs> the guys Absolutely. on the left, it's pretty much. Reeves is the only guy left.
3: Oh, he's a mean fucker, too, eh?
2: Yeah, but he's alone. So right now, yeah. Uh, you know what's <laughs> amazing with him is that now that what I like the most about it is he is uh, the last of our kind, like a pure one, but he could, he's putting up points and it's awesome to see that. The fact that he was able to convert his game and contribute offensively, and be reliable defensively with uh, with Vegas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah,
3: I heard. Yeah, that he was. Uh, he was playing Minnesota the other night, and uh, he was just trying to get someone to come on the ice, and uh, it was almost like they were ignoring him, like a a kid on the school ground. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> no one wants to fight that bastard.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know it's <laughs> physical, so. He does yeah. a really good job, and it's awesome to see that he's a big presence out there.
1: Yeah, George, I'm. I'm curious, man. You're you're right across the the water from us in Montreal, or, or you grew up across the water from us in Montreal. We're um, all located in in northern New York. Uh, have you ever been across the Messina Bridge? Have you ever been into northern New York, this area at all? Or?
2: Yeah, my family. I have a lot of family cousins that are there. Okay, I've been to New York many times. Yeah, every year, right pretty much come to them Uh, my cousin lives in Manhattan so he used to live in Queens so I've been around pretty much uh, everywhere uh, in New York uh, when I come visit him
1: okay good so you know tell me well tell us all tell tell your listeners your your fans what was it like for George LaRock growing up you know in Canada and playing organized hockey and tell us how you got started and how you made it to the NHL
2: well, I uh, I was born in Montreal. My parents came from Haiti to Montreal, and when I was a kid, like every kid, I wanted to play in the NHL. So, you know, I played organized hockey, and minor hockey, and I played the hockey in the parks, pretty much uh, every day, uh, every time I could. And uh, minor hockey was it was a hard time for me because I had to battle through a lot of racism to make it, because there wasn't a lot of a lot of black players. I was the only black player playing actually in the minor hockey association where I was living. Where i grew up it was a urban city just outside Montreal so i had to fight through a lot of a lot of that but I did that uh, i uh, i I didn't care like I read jackie robinson's uh, biography it was a kid version that was made and uh, when I saw that I saw like that he went through kind of the same thing I went through to to make it to baseball he had to go through racism so what I was going through is kind of like same thing as him it's uh it's an obstacle that I had to go through to make it just like he did so I used all the slurs as a motivation and, uh, you know, I, and after that I played the, the JAAA in the Quebec League after and got drafted. I in the second round and, and uh, when I made it, I thank, uh, everybody that was calling me name and people that were racial towards me because I said it gave me the additional fuel I needed to, uh, motivation to, uh, the NHL.
3: So, George, I was looking uh, in some of the articles that when you were playing in your younger days, um, you were actually the goal scorer, the guy, you know, they counted on to really win the game. When was it in your career, the AHL or, you know, juniors or wherever, where you ac- it actually sunk in that I am the enforcer? Um, when, when did that happen? When did you turn into the big enforcer in your career?
2: When I played the minor hockey, I was going tons of goals. I never thought I would actually would fight, and uh, bantam, the same thing. But when I got to junior hockey, and uh, you know, and I was much bigger and I wasn't as fast as everybody anymore, I knew that if I wanted to play in the NHL, I would have to fight. For the size that I have, I wasn't skilled enough to make it with pure talent. So, nobody told me that I had to do it. You know, you go to junior, major, junior. This training camp, and then you know there's a lot of big guys, and you play physical, and then it just kind of happened. It's something that I pretty much learned on my own, and I just knew, and I, you know, and you kind of know what was going on in the NHL and guys, what my size, what they were doing. So what I focused on, I focused a lot on my skating and and hockey ability, so then I could do more than just fighting because I would have been really sad if making it in the NHL all I would do is just play two shifts a game to fight. Yeah. So I, I take a lot of pride of the fact that I was playing nine, 10 minutes a game, like pretty much a regular shift on the fourth line and, and with the fights once in a while and more first and foremost was able to play in a playoff where hockey weight counts the most.
3: Yeah. I mean, you had 200 points, so you're definitely putting the puck in that and uh, kicking some ass and taking names too. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. And I, I kind of read somewhere that, uh, I heard somewhere that you were training, when you would train to fight a little bit to get your balance, you actually boxed on the ice. Did that seem to help you a lot? I mean, it definitely did, the well, way you kick people's ass, so.
2: No, but the thing is, is because when you do boxing off the ice, you're planted on your feet, so it's the bad. It's a bad habit because when you fight on the ice, you're not out of balance like that. And When you fight on the ice, you're always out of balance. So what I did to counter that is I put myself in the same position as I would be if I was fighting. So I did boxing on the ice. So to strengthen my balance and to actually know how to punch when you're on skate, which is not the same as pointing on your feet. And that's nice. what I did. And it gave me an advantage. And I actually, I actually never told anyone that I was doing that until I retired. And I was kind of helping McIntyre and Westgarth in the summer. I had a little camp for them to uh, teach them how to fight and defend themselves and stuff. So, um, and, and then they they played the NHL after me and they were there. McIntyre was in Amazon and was in LA. So yeah, I was working with them and I was telling them that about the fact that it's better to just sparring on the ice than off the ice. And they understood that and stuff. So I did that with many guys. I did that with Zach Kassian too and, and guys like that. So they could uh, give them everything that I knew, all the tricks that I knew because I didn't want people to knew those while I was playing because I figured they would use it against me. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. When I was retired, I, I just, uh, I just told everybody everything I knew.
1: Share the knowledge. Good for you, George. I don't want
4: to. We don't want to like box you into the into a corner of only being a fighter either. Did, did, does that bother you when, when when people just kind of put you into the corner as just a fighter in the league, or do you embrace that?
2: Oh no! I first of all, I did it because it was my job, but I didn't care what people thought and what they said. I did the fighting because this is what I had to do to be on the show. But I never liked it. It was not me as a person. People that got to knew me, they knew that, that it wasn't me and, and I didn't thrive and, and loved it. It was a job and that's it. And you know, when you do a job, the things you like are the things you don't like as much. Fighting was something I didn't, but I enjoyed so much the rest of the stuff that it wasn't taking away of the fact that I was still playing hockey, but the anxiety and the struggle and, and the danger of fighting was not something, uh, really really fun to go through all the time and I feel really fortunate that now that I'm retired that I never suffered from concussion or, neither had any problem uh, of a result of a fighting
0: I just want to ask you real quick George was there anybody that you were like oh shit do I uh, have to fight this guy tonight or like was there somebody that you really didn't really want to like lock horns with out there was somebody that was a
2: well, badass? well, first, well
0: first,
2: first of all you you never When you're a fighter and you're especially a heavyweight, you never, you never think about the fact that you don't want to go. You don't want to do this. The minute that would have the mentality that I don't want to do, I don't want to do this, then I would have to stop playing because it's really dangerous to get into a fight if you don't want to do it because you won't be ready. So you are, there's always anxiety. So, and, and you always worry every fight you worry because you could die in every fight. This guy bigger than others, obviously, guys that hit much harder. You look at Brashier, you look at Bougard, you know, those guys are strong. But it doesn't matter. Anyone that you fight on the ice, anybody hits you at the right place, you could yeah. die. Yeah. And, and and also, you could hit your head on the ice when you fall down. And if you got a 250-pound guy that falls on top of you and hits your head on the ice, there's so many things that could go wrong in a fight. So. Everyone, every time I fought, doesn't matter what status the guy was, how big that he was, every time you do, they try to take your head off. And you know that. There's no gimme in a fighting. It's like, and people don't care. Like when I get into a fight, my reputation, what I did before doesn't matter. Everything is new and it happens all over again. And you don't know what's going to happen. There's nothing that are taken for granted. So that's why. So when people ask me that question, like everybody was. I respected everybody that did the job, and everybody that I fought tried to take my head off. So it was never easy.
1: Yeah. So, you know, setting like the, the fighting memories aside, what were, what was like some of your most memorable hockey moments then? You know,
2: well, again, setting track. the hockey the Your your hat trick. Yeah, the hat trick against LA, uh, that's something I'll never forget, February 21st, 2000. Uh, it was never <laughs> since, it was just amazing. Uh, you know, when you're a tough guy and something like that happens, it's in the fans, they kind of know how special that it was. And uh, to this day, this is something that I will never forget. And funny so because my, I have a son, I have twins, actually, a son and a daughter. And once in a while, he looks at the hat trick and, and he's like, Daddy, I'm so proud of you, so so happy that you did one. Oh, that's and, nice. And so yeah. awesome that's the stuff that I want him to watch and not the fighting. Of course.
3: You got your boy playing hockey?
2: Actually, I didn't got him to play hockey. He he decided to play himself. Oh, there you uh, go. You know, oh, nice. <laughs> I think that I think that. Well, I think in nowadays parents are putting way too much pressure on their kids to do something. And mine, you know, it was it was his choice. He wanted to play, him and then put him into hockey, and he's playing with all his friends.
1: What was your yeah, first was goal like, George? What was your your first goal in the NHL like?
2: Yeah, the, the first goal in the NHL, it, it it was against Phoenix. Actually, I got two goals that game. And oh, what was God. funny is that. First, the first goal that I got, it went off my shin pad, and I wasn't credited for it. And uh, that, that same shift, I scored again, but not with my stick. And after the game, I told the uh, RPR guys that actually the first goal, I touched it with my chin. And when a game is over, they don't review for assists, but for goals, they do. So they reviewed it, and I got it. So uh, my first goal in the NHL, nice. actually, I got two, and it was actually in Phoenix.
1: Well, oh. congratulations. That's cool.
2: Thank you.
0: It's funny. You probably can remember more about like the goals and the hat tricks than you know. If we asked you about you had a hundred fights, you know, was how many of them do you really remember? Do you remember a third of them, or
2: you know? Well, I remember the first one against Thompson because it's was my first one ever uh, in the NHL. So uh, you know, so this is something that you kind of never forget. You know, I remember actually. To be honest with you, I pretty much remember them all. <laughs> because I never had any concussion problems, when I think of them, I do remember pretty much every fight that I had because, you know, I have pretty good memory and I never suffered from anything. So when I think of it right now, fast, when I if I think deep down the battles that I had with many different teams, I know all of them. I, like, somebody was to ask me for one and I would know exactly what happened and, and I think because it's, I don't know, it's something that takes so much pressure out of you that I don't know why it's. For some reason, I would remember.
4: Yeah, I know you didn't enjoy, you're saying you didn't really enjoy fighting, but was there, like, any particular person you actually just enjoyed pummeling? (laughs) (laughs) No,
2: no, you you don't. To be honest with you, you don't enjoy doing that. When you do that, it's not fun. And I was always making sure after the fight, the guy, if he was okay, and I would talk to him on the bench because I didn't like that, and I didn't want to hurt anybody. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously, you want to win because for, you know, for your reputation and for the team and lift them up and everything it's one thing. But at the end of the day, like the game of the hockey is to score goals. So, as spectacular it might be for fans to look at this, you can never enjoy beating up somebody that didn't do anything. Yeah. You know, like you didn't, you didn't attack me like on the street. You didn't attack my family. You didn't steal anything from me. we like playing hockey. Yeah. You know, because our team has done a couple of goals and won the momentum, we're fighting it. You know, when you think of that, you know, it's never, I, when I say I didn't like it, I didn't enjoy um, the result of it, and uh, I didn't enjoy, uh, people got hurt, I didn't enjoy none of that.
4: Did you think, did you think the same way, like, during your career, or is it more like as you have a perspective now that you're done playing that you, you, you think this way?
2: I've always said, I've always thought that. Every time yeah. I thought I've always told the guys good luck when I did before, and after yeah. I was asked, it was okay, and I talked to him. And when I did that, it's because I understood how hard the job was, and I was just nice about it. You don't have to be mean to do this job, and I wasn't. I yeah. stopped hitting guys when they were down. People knew I was pretty respectful. If you talk to any referee, they'll tell you so. I was not, I didn't have the typical, like, same behavior of many of the guys that when they did the job and they had the leather shin strap and they loved the role and they scream and all that stuff. I did none of that. Yeah. I, I, I showed it pretty much to all the guys that knew that I didn't like it, but I did it to the best of my ability because the better you are at it, the less you have to do it. But I never enjoyed it.
3: Yeah, yeah George, I, I actually read a couple articles. You're a really good guy, a big teddy bear. Um, so we give you props to that. I did hear something that in your NHL combine that they gave you a piss test because you were just such a massive beast. Is that true?
2: Yeah, actually. When, uh, yeah, at a combine, I was up in the second round. Um, because of my size playing junior hockey, there's always so much rumor about guys that play junior hockey, and people always wonder about their size and not going train. So there's a few teams that got me to steroid test and I was taken as a compliment because well, I've, always good, good, I've always had good genetics but you know if somebody thinks that you're on something and you're not then obviously they see you the way you built and they're like they're amazed right so I was happy to do so it was the first time ever that I've done it and I actually felt like uh, you know those guys that were running 100 meters uh, and they are getting uh, in, 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 in track and field they're getting tested all the time like Lambs, I, to to track, I wasn't going track was a hockey, but I was I was having kind of that feeling that they had when I got that done, and I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, and then they were like, nope, he's just a big
3: beast. <laughs> what, what what, was your, like, optimal weight and your your optimal height in your peak prime years?
2: I was always 6'3", obviously. And uh, when I started as a rookie, I was 235. And when I finished in uh, Montreal, I was playing at 255. Ooh, Whoa.
3: That's a f- freight train on skates. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: a couple molsons out. there, a couple of molsons put on twenty pounds. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so, George, tell tell the listeners a little bit about the NHL culture. Just you know, the you know, being a professional athlete, um, being able to travel around in charter jets, um, the Ritz-Carlton in every city, um, you know, room service, all the luxuries of that. And did you like that, or did was it kind of a drag on you?
2: One well, no, it's, you know, it's, I never actually thought about it. You know, it's part of the job is, you know, hockey is a job. You, you, you're actually working, right? So part of the CBA, we stay at a hotel because of the revenue that the league and the teams are getting. But I never actually even thought about where we stayed and the food or anything that we're doing because every time we got somewhere, we had to focus and visualize the fact we're playing the next day. So, you know, like, especially when you do this for a while and you travel a lot, you don't think about that stuff. You know, I think more about that stuff if I go to vacation, and pick a place to stay and you enjoy that place. But everywhere we go, whatever hotel that you might mention, uh, we're not there to visit or we're not there on vacation. We're there to play a hockey game. So that's why the focus is not the, not the exact same as when you go on, vacation, on vacation. So that stuff to me it was pretty... It, it, it was it, it was okay. It was fine. It was uh, you know it was part of the job, and uh, they they came together.
3: Nice. Did hey. you buy any anything crazy like uh, in your prime years, like a Lamborghini, a Tiger, <laughs> or anything like that?
2: <laughs> no, I, well, I I I got a, the only crazy thing I got is a Z8 BMW that I got uh-huh. when I was really younger, and when I got older, I actually got rid of it after the Danny Heatley incident happened. Uh. After the Danny Heatley incident happened and you know Dan Schneider passed away, I was always I was I was already a fast driver and, and when that sad incident happened, I actually saw myself doing the same thing if I wasn't getting rid of a sports car. So sports car. So I never bought and drove a sports car again after that happened because I kinda took it as a warning and <laughs> uh, I didn't want to make that mistake that he did.
1: Interesting. Uh, so, George, who are you? Who are you watching right now in the NHL? Who are you you know, who do you? Who's impressing you, and who are you watching? Who are you following?
2: Well, I'm always going to watch the Oilers because it's the team that drafts me yeah. and gives me my first chance. So, there's always the team that is going to have to my heart, and I always, I'm always going to wish them a lot of success. So, that's the team I'm always cheered on, and and uh, yeah, it's kind of tough right now, but. Uh, you know, I cross my finger, keep my hopes up, and, and I hope that they're going to be able to turn it around.
0: So, George, now, are you uh, doing commentating right now on the radio?
2: Yeah, I'm, well, I, yeah, kind of. I'm, uh, I have my own radio show uh, five days a week in Montreal, and uh, I talk about all sport, not just hockey, but uh, uh, everything that happened the night before. I talk about sports in general and uh, my, my sports show about it, and I take callers also that do so So that to talk about sports. So, no, it's awesome.
1: What uh, sport other than hockey do you do you like to follow?
2: Uh, I follow everything. I, I love football and NFL. Um, soccer is my favorite sport. I watch the NBA. Uh, I've always been a lover of sports, so I watch everything.
3: Okay. Do you think the Super Bowl this year should have been uh, New Orleans versus the Kansas City Chiefs?
2: Well, you know, I felt so bad, obviously. What happens to the Saints is actually the worst way to lose. The fact that the league admitted it and, and you know they apologized. It, you know you take a team out from the Super Bowl, so it's sad. And when you look at Kansas City, um, I feel bad for D Ford. D Ford was if he wasn't offside, Kansas yeah. City City's Super Bowl also. So, you know, in that part, things happen, and you kind of knew when that offside happened, Brady was going to do his thing. But as for the Saints, um, you know, I, I feel for them. But even if they would have made it to uh, to the Super Bowl. They played so bad that game. There's no way they would have have a chance against the Pats. So the best team won.
0: Yeah, George, you uh, did you open up like a sports trading store
2: or something like that? Yeah, no, I I kind of have a sports and a mobility store. So you know, we we collect we collect and sell hockey, soccer, football, baseball, like all the major sports card and uh, trading stuff. So it's it's awesome. It's, it's a passion that I've always had. When I was a kid, and now I'm just falling through. Now that I'm retired,
0: is nice. that in Montreal? Yes. Nice. And uh, just before we um, we let you go here, do you want to talk about any kind of organizations or foundations that you're working with? I
2: know you do charitable
0: stuff in the um, in the area. Do you want to plug that real quick?
2: Yeah, uh, sure. I'm a spokesperson for the Shriners Hospital. Um, you know, we do we do uh, we give free care to kids zero to uh, eighteen years old. Uh, there's about 18 of them around the world. So it's awesome to be part of it. Kids, uh, you know, it's our future tomorrow. So um, I'm really proud of uh, working with them and bring awareness and raise money so we could give uh, great care to to the children.
3: Thanks. I I see also, George, you uh, actually built a hospital in Haiti with the NHLPA, um, the Grace Children Hospital. That was pretty cool. How'd that work out with the NHLPA?
2: Well, you know, because my parents were born there, when I got released for the Montreal, January 21st, in 2010, um, the tragedy in Haiti just happened. So I was thinking of ways to do something to help out. So I reached out to the NHLP and the NHL that chipped in half a million each, and also many different organizations that that chipped in a lot of money. And with all that money, I was able to work with World Vision to get the Great Children Hospital we built in Fall of Prince and Delma. And that was awesome to be able to do a part. Since my parents were born there, and, and with the NHL community, everybody helped out. So it was an awesome. Uh, it was awesome to be able to do a part because you know I was from there, and uh, and it's I always think it's important to contribute. Yeah, it's awesome, George.
0: Well, George, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we talked to Kwame last week. I don't know if he, were you part of his documentary,
2: Soul on Good Ice.
0: Point? Soul on Ice.
2: Oh yes, yes, I was, yes. Yeah we, guy,
0: just had, yeah, we just had him on last week, so it's good to, you know, it's, um, you know, hockey for everyone month in February and, you know, to have guys like you and Kwame that have um, prospered through the, the sport of hockey and have given people, the younger kids in, in the countries of Canada and the United States to yeah. see people like you playing in the NHL. I mean, it's a big inspiration for some of those kids that might, you know, not have thought hockey was for them. So, you know, it's great for you to to – keep your
2: message going and
0: you know good to hear from everybody that's had some struggles growing up
2: thanks for the compliment guy
0: yeah yeah just just before you go george uh
3: one of the guys on here rob he thinks he's a big tough guy rob would you fight george the (laughs)
1: rock on skates i would not fight george (laughs) loretta let's
0: (laughs) see i I would turtle You've got to chase you around the ice. Oh, man.
3: Thanks, George. It was awesome talking George, to you. You're a great guy so and much, what you yeah. do for the community, man. You're awesome.
2: Thank, thank you, guys. Take care, you guys.
4: Time. Thanks, George. Welcome. Take care. George,
2: the right. rock. George, fucking the
0: rock. You will not
3: fight him, Rob, you big baby. He's a tough <laughs> guy.
1: Uh, it would be one where you know you're coming out with fucking couple black eyes for sure.
3: You, If you're they're probably getting taken
0: off. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I took from his interview was that somebody that's really good at fighting doesn't have to boast about it, right? Like, you don't have to say yeah. how tough you are. You don't have to say, yeah, I was a badass. That's I true. I beat up this guy. I beat up that guy. You know, because he was such a badass, he just kind of sits back and is like, oh, I didn't really like it. It was just my job. And I think there's a lot of respect there, right? You know, you just tell that that he was really good at what he did, and, you know, it was a job for him and not something where he's going out to hurt somebody. So that was pretty cool. Another yeah. humble hockey player, right?
4: And I don't think he – like he said, I don't think he enjoyed it. You know, like it doesn't sound like he enjoyed that part of his game, but he embraced it, and it made a career for him. There's no doubt about that. But that's interesting to hear. You know, it's always those quiet guys anyways that you don't want to mess yeah. with. You know, it's like the guys running their mouth. We used to have our times out in the bars and stuff like that. It was always those guys that were running their mouth. It was always so
1: that guy he got knocked the fuck out. First one like to seconds.
0: get flogged, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I was uh, clenching my fist a couple of times when he was talking about it, but I was getting a little fired up. I mean, I, he must get a little fired up just talking about, like, his days of fighting, you know I mean? He must feel that little adrenaline rush talking about with the times when he was in the NHL fighting people. I mean, like you said, it's an adrenaline rush. You get in a fight, I mean, it's pure emotions and, yeah. I mean, it's different than scoring goals. You know, you're, you're fighting somebody and, and tensions are high and anxiety's high. You know, it's a def- different feeling than, than just playing the game. I think it's also, you know, like obviously goal scoring brings people out of their seats,
4: you know, when you're watching hockey. But it's not quite anything that brings people out of their seats like watching a fight, too. You know, I mean, that, that really gets the crowd going. So I'm sure he had some enjoyable moments uh, as much as he said he didn't like to do it. He was obviously uh, very good at what he did.
3: Yeah, he. I actually read an article that said that, you know, he wasn't out there looking for fights, but obviously he's George the Rock. So when he went into other people's barns, obviously he was the first one that the fighter was going to fight, right? Yep. So um, he was that guy, but he said he hated, you know, going against a team with a Ty Domi or, you know, some of those big fighters that he had to fight, Donald Brashear or Brian McGrath and Arbu Gardis he actually hated going into their barns because he knew that he was going to have to fight these guys he was
1: expected to perform. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And these guys loved to fight where he didn't like to fight. Right. And he knew the guys that loved to fight would actually fight until they were taken off on a stretcher. So he had to perform and he actually had to hurt some people, you know, because that was his role. And he just knew, you know, like I said, that night when he got out sometime in those 60 minutes he was gonna have to drop the mitts with one of those guys and he really didn't look forward to it
4: it kind of reminds me of a guy we went to college with huh our our old buddy israel in a way like a big gentle giant big gentle giant didn't want to tangle but if you tangled lights out baby see ya Yeah. yeah
3: i remember the same guy to your point derek it was you know in college Somebody would get in a fight and the first thing – or a fight would be brewing and the first thing would happen, they'd go find Israel. And to some point, he just said, don't fucking come to me. I'm not fighting your fights. I don't even like the fights myself, let alone fucking for you. So get the fuck out of here. So, yeah, some of those guys that are the big fighters that will knock you the fuck out, you know, they're the quiet ones at the end of the bar. Yeah,
5: Yeah. and like uh –
0: like he said, you know, he never hit people once they were down. And, I, and if you look at a fighter who's actually respected, and, and I've played with these people before, where when they want to fight, they just put their hands up and walked away. And they didn't keep hitting the guy when he was going down. And they didn't try to keep the fight going. Once they won, that was it. That was their job, and they walked away. You know, and and you see that now. I th- I saw that. Did you see that fight with Tom Wilson um, the other day with um, the guy from the Penguins? And he just knocked him out. I think it was a while back, but. He just he knocked he hit him hit him in the face once and the guy was going down. and He just put his arms up and walked away. I mean, that's you got to have respect for people like that because they're not trying to hurt him. they're just trying to win the fight.
3: Yeah, I hear you.
0: I mean, do you remember Ty Domi and Briseir in the playoffs where they were like coming to the uh, the the faceoff dot in center ice, like talking shit to each other before the game? And I think Ty Domi ripped his necklace off. Do you remember that? <laughs> I, I do remember heard. that. He, like, grabbed him, grabbed his necklace and, like, ripped it off like before the game even started. I mean, those guys just wanted to fight each other.
3: But it's funny that, you know, The Rock said that, you know, Reeves is the toughest guy in the NHL right now. Or that other fighter for uh, – um, there's a couple of good fighters. But I think Reeves is, for Pittsburgh, the toughest motherfucker out there. He's for Pittsburgh, right, Ryan Reeves? Vegas. No, no Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, yes. I, I don't know why I keep fucking up with that. So Drunk. he is – yeah, he is definitely the toughest guy. And uh, like LaRock said, that there's no one really out there to tangle with him. So he's just out there talking shit. And like I said, I watched him play Minnesota the other night. He was talking all the shit. Like he was taking the friggin' lollipop right out of the goalie's hand and nobody, everyone was looking the other way whistling. Like, I didn't see it. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's what he can do and and George you know like George said at the beginning with the enforcer with Reeves that yeah he's the only one there's no one out there to you know i mean there is people to take him on like Tom Wilson
0: I, yeah. I, you know one other guy for vegas but i'd like to see Tom Wilson fight him because that just earlier in the season Reeves kind of had that cheap shot and knocked Tom out for a couple of games you guys remember that hit i, I
4: do
0: like, yeah he hit him pretty good and it was Welcome cheap. to the jungle. Yeah, remember so, you signing
3: autographs of that hit that said "Welcome to the jungle." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so we might see that fight. I'd like to see it actually. Anybody, anybody see get into financial news right now before we get into the rundown?
3: Yeah, what's uh? Anybody see that? I see Malkin got suspended one game for his slash to the face of that Flyers player. I think it was Michael Raffle. I think his name was. Um, if anyone, if you guys didn't see that, he kind of got cross-checked in the back and he kind of just swung his stick to kind I think, you know, his intention to me looked like he was just trying to, you know, you get cross-checked in the back and you take your, you got one hand on the stick and you turn around to swing it and maybe hit the guy in, the, you know, pads or knee pads or something. But unfortunately he got him up in the face, back of the helmet. It was pretty vicious when you saw it. But his intent wasn't there. But anyways, they suspended him. The NHL Players Association can I say it? suspended him one game without pay, and uh, one game without pay for him is fifty-one thousand dollars.
0: Not say a that big deal. Not
3: fifty-one thousand dollars. So you know how much did you make last year, Pat? Uh, just over three
0: mil. <laughs>
4: one game. Holy shit.
0: Yeah, but that kind of shit happens. I mean, I think some of you guys were watching the wild game against the Flyers last night, and um, it was actually Jordan Greenway. His stick came up and hit Sucker in the face. Clipped or, yeah. Yeah, his nose started bleeding, and they called a penalty on the Flyers. On the Flyers. A four-minute penalty. And uh, yeah, they showed Greenway on the bench saying, my bad, bud, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in the whole fucking place knew it was Greenway except for the ref. Well, Greenway
3: lost his uh, front tooth in warm-ups against the Islanders about two weeks ago, not even, a week ago. Um, one of his teammates, Dean, the defenseman, is taking a slap shot. You know, you got three three lines up on top taking slappers on the goalie, and Jordan was down on his knees stretching. Somehow his, his back his swing or whatever you want to call it um, caught Jordan in the face and took his tooth out. So it does happen. Actually, Neil got his tooth knocked out. Did you guys
1: see that? Oh, that video was intense, teeth. man. Teeth. Yeah. His, his teeth went flying out of his mouth.
0: That was classic. And it was caught on video. I mean, yeah. obviously everything's caught on video, but you could actually see the teeth when they slow-moed it just floating yeah. in the air. Like, what is he feeling right now? What the fuck, man? I wonder
4: how many shifts he missed, but, like, I mean, you watch other sports, like, you know, let's say basketball, for example, these guys like twist their fucking finger and they're next, you know, they're, they're out for like three games, you know.
1: Well, do I have to bring up soccer? <laughs> the,
4: the phantom the phantom fall downs in soccer, yeah, but I mean, guy gets, you know, at least, I don't know if it was two or three teeth or maybe multiple pieces of tooth teeth that were flying around in the air.
3: Flying in the air, yeah. But, I mean, he's
4: like, he goes back in the locker room. They're like, "Yep, you lost your teeth. He's like, all right, let's go play again. Uh-huh. So, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. The, the, hockey is just a man amongst boys kind of sport, for sure.
0: I can't it's so imagine. funny. Yeah, it's so funny You see these guys when they smile. Because, like, you know, they have fake teeth and shit, but a lot of them take them out when they when they play. So when during the games, and you see them smile and they're missing summer two, three tea. teeth. Some are here, yeah. some are there. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you know, and it's tough to, you know, they have the money to get them fixed, right? They're making millions of dollars, but I what's mean, the fix, what's I the point?
2: Going
3: to get them knocked out again?
2: Yeah, I That's mean, that. they
3: retire at thirty-three, so just fix them when you're thirty-three.
0: Yeah, it's not like they're having problems getting laid either, you know, like you no know, <laughs> teeth. <laughs> like, show that. Look, like, look at Brad Burns. <laughs> Ugly. Oh dog. my god. All right, so we got a little bit of news there. We'll get back into it in a little bit. Um, We're going to do a little Arc Hockey break. A little Arc Hockey sponsor in here. Ever wonder why hockey sticks cost so damn much? What makes them so expensive? The carbon? The tooling? Nope, it's
1: the marketing. Sponsoring those pros, buying advertising, it adds up. And you pay for all of it. So the guys at Arc Hockey started Arc to make state-of-the-art sticks that don't cost a car payment. And while their sticks are handmade of a 100% high-quality carbon fiber in the same factories as the big brands, they are bringing them directly to you from the only place you can find them, archockey.com. No pros, no middlemen, no endorsement contracts to pay for, just guys like you who love hockey. So check them out at archockey.com. That's
2: hockey. dot com.
5: All right,
0: we're back and we have our rundown from Maddie B. Maddie B is back. He's back again. Hey Maddie, are you sponsored by uh Jewel? Um uh, working on it. Working on it. <laughs> I noticed you practicing your tricks over there with that thing. hmm
3: <laughs> What's the flavor tonight?
0: Flavor of the night's grape. Oh, Dr. Grape. It sounds like a (laughs) pussy flavor. Anyways, I don't know if you can be manly and smoke those things anyway. But all right, (laughs) let's get into a little bit of the rundown, Matty, and let us know what's going on in the sports world this week.
5: All right, fellas. So this past weekend, the Alliance of American Football kicked off. San Diego Commanders defeated the San Diego Fleet 15 to 6. Saturday's games also included the Orlando Apollo's defeating Atlanta Legends with a legendary ass whooping 40 to <laughs> six. Wow! You know the ratings for these games were surprisingly high. They came in at a 2.1, and that was comparable to the ABC's weekend NBA game. So so far wow. so good. Yeah. S- Sunday's games: the Birmingham Iron steamrolled the Memphis Express 26 to nothing. Arizona Hotshots defeated the Salt Lake Stallions in the most competitive of the inaugural weekend slate, 38 to 22. Wow! Who uh, the NFL, NFL news? John Elway and the Denver Broncos picked up former quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens Joe Flacco. Thank oh, you, thank the, you, John Elway. The Cleveland Browns decided <laughs> to gamble. The Cleveland Browns decided to gamble with Kareem Hunt. They've got a, a lengthy suspension looming over his head, so you know we're all curious to see what's going to happen there. Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray skips baseball for the NFL. Wow. So with the MLB, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado remain unsigned. As defending World Series champs Boston Red Sox look to add to the depth at catcher position. Oh, fuck. Yasiel Puig is the biggest signing of the offseason so far. He signed with the Cincinnati Reds. Ooh, we
3: didn't know that.
5: All right, so in the NBA, uh, James Harden continues his dominance, registering 30 points in 31 straight games. Anthony Davis remains signed with the Pelicans, while the Lakers and LeBron continue to struggle. Golden State Warriors look tough, look tough to beat, and they appear destined for the 3 P four out of the last five. A <laughs> Hey, Golden State. <laughs> in PGA. Tiger, Tiger Woods, yo. In the PGA, the Genesis Open begins February 14th with a purse of 7.4 million, where Tiger Woods looks to build off of his performance last week with 20-1 to 1 odds to win. Dustin Johnson is the odds on favorite to win the event. The top 5 ranking remains the same. Justin Rose number 1, Americans Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, and Bryson DeChambeau round out the top 5. Tiger Woods remains at number 16. And women's division 1 rankings, they all remain the same too. We got Minnesota uh, remaining at the top spot. We got Wisconsin at number 2. Northeastern stays at 3. Clarkson and Princeton round out the top 5. And in men's NCAA hockey, St. Cloud's at one. Ohio State jumps up to two. UMass, Morley, falls to three. UMass, baby. Minnesota Duluth moves up one spot to four. Minnesota State climbs into the top five at number five. And in the Beanpot Championship defending its title, Northeastern was able to defeat BC four to two. So that's a quick uh, rundown of the sports around the world here.
3: What's, uh, What's the story there? First of all, Kareem Ha, huh? what's his suspension? Does anyone know? Does he got to sit out like go? Well, we don't know
4: what the suspension is yet, but, you know, he's beat the hell out of some girl on, on camera. So, I mean, he's it's, it's lengthy. It's definitely lengthy. The uh, He lied to the Chiefs uh, on multiple occasions about incidents he was involved in. The crappy thing, um, well, not a crappy thing, but the interesting thing will be the fact that a lot of these incidents that he was involved in took place in Ohio. And here he is going to go back to Cleveland and be right Mm. in the middle of, you know, kind of, he he went to school at Toledo. So here he is back kind of like in his old stomping grounds, which is going to probably play a uh,
3: faith in him. They have faith.
4: They're going to have to because John Dorsey, the GM of the Chiefs, or was the GM of the chiefs who drafted Kareem Hunt. He's now the GM of the uh, Cleveland Browns. Wow. He's, he brought him back, man. He's, he's rolling the dice with him. He's got it. Kareem Hunt's a hell. I mean, you all know this. I mean, he's a hell yeah. of a player. You know what I mean? But yeah, sure. if he's. Uh, he
1: likes to be women.
4: <laughs> that too. But.
0: Pitt
4: <laughs> but John Dorsey just basically, you know, tied his GM career to this guy because if this goes south, I mean, what the hell do yeah. you do? But uh, while we're talking about football, I would just like to thank John Elway for bringing Joe Flacco into the AFC West. I think that's a great gift to the whole, uh, the whole to the whole division going forward. So
0: appreciate I think, it. I think Ravens fans are saying the same thing.
4: Oh my lord! They're putting it. The, I mean, Joe Flacco. You can't get any more of a stationary quarterback, you know. And this is a league now where you got to have a guy that can move around. Um, and people are just—I don't, I don't know—they put him in division two with a lot of pass rushers. People—he's going to get teed off on, and his his game's already declined quite a bit. So I'm actually happy to see it.
0: So what the hell is this new football league? What the fuck's going on with that? I mean, I live in this uh, NHL network world these days, so I, I don't even know what's going on with it. I mean, I know it's uh, – they're not trying to compete with the NFL as far as I know. And, you know, what is the end game for this group?
5: You know, my understanding of that is it's almost like a farm system. You know, the NFL, yeah. besides college football, it is it is like a farm system. It's a, it's a step up above the collegiate level. And like you said, they're not trying to compete. They're just trying to get their piece of the pie, so to speak. And, you know, it's a chance for some guys who couldn't quite get there to try to prove what they can do. Um, I don't know the relationship between the NFL and the AF, AAF, but um, I guess it's just a chance for these guys to, to try to see what they can do, showcase their skills. That is, yeah.
4: You know, they're capitalizing on a, you know, the end of the NFL season. This is a big, like, this is like a, uh, what do you call it? Like, this is the void? Yeah, like a big void. Exactly, Mark. Sorry, It's big void, like in sports right now. So they're just taking advantage of that. I mean, people love football. So there's no, not not. A lot, I mean, people unless you love hockey like we do. This is kind of like a void in the uh, sports world right now. So,
5: well, the interesting Pat, thing about that too, guys. Sorry about that, Pat. Is uh, Saturday's ranking or ratings? Excuse me, were high. Like I said, they compared to uh, like the NBA game that was on that day on ABC. But then I, I did a little more research, and Sunday, when you would typically watch your football, um, it was drastically lower. So I don't know what that means, but it can't be a positive thing.
3: Well, I mean, the I majority of us didn't know it was on. I, I knew that it was starting here soon. It's going to catch on. It'll gain traction. Listen, the football, there is no farm team, right? So you got these 18-, 20-year-old kids at their prime of their life that can play football. And they just didn't make the cut in an NFL. So what, what are they going to do, go, you know, hit the nine-to-five job? Um, so some of these owners, and there's some pretty big names that, that own these teams and that are coaching these teams, um, you know, came up with the Alliance of American Football in exactly what you said. It's going to be a feeder, a farm team, into eventually, that's their – end goal is going to be a farm team for the NFL. So the Kansas city chiefs will have a farm team in Iowa, let's say. um, And they can pull players up and down. So Kareem Hunt gets kicked out of the league for, you know, beating his sister up. They can pull someone (laughs) off from the Alliance, but I think it's a good thing, man. It's more football. And like I said, these, you got these young kids that are just stacked with talent that can play really good football. And, you know, if it was in my hometown, um, I'd probably go watch it.
4: No doubt. That's a really good point, actually, because you're absolutely right about the fact that there is no, like, farm system for the NFL. Listen, when at the end of training – or at the end of, like, the cut-down line, right, when the teams cut down to 53 players in the NFL, almost 1,200 players are cut and on the street. I mean, yeah. you can't tell me that out of those 1,200 players, there's not – I mean, look at how many undrafted players play in the NFL, right? Undrafted free agents make NFL rosters. So it's not an exact science when it comes to picking a roster. So there's got to be yeah. some good talent. And it's, this is you're absolutely right. It's good to have, like, this farm system because teams will pick from this.
3: Yeah, definitely. I'm excited. I hope it does well. I it's think cool. the XFL is going to come up here next year, too. Um, they're trying to get back into the uh, main stage but. Uh, I think this alliance of America football is going to do really well.
0: All right, boys, Uh want to get back into a little bit what's going on in the NHL. I mean, that is what we're here for. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Carter Hart and we mentioned him probably a couple months ago when he played his first NHL game and he was this young stu- stud, he's 20 years old. and. He's actually—you've probably already heard this—but he is one of four people to win uh, eight in a row at a twenty-year-old as a twenty-year-old goalie. Two of the, uh, Ron Hextall did it twice when he was twenty, and there's two other guys which I can't remember the names. But was um, Hextall with the Flyers at the time? I think so. Wow. But you know that's—he has been on fire. He didn't play last night. I mean, it's not saying that they haven't lost a game in between there, but the games yep. that he started. He's won eight eight in a row, so that kid is uh is really playing well for the Flyers. And actually, the Flyers aren't playing too bad right now. Even no, they're... they're on a the
3: rise; they're doing really well. They're on their way up. St. Louis Blues, man, they're on a rise too. They're just uh coming back up. Um, they were the talk of the beginning of the season that how how good St. Louis was going to be, and um, and then they kind of shit the bed. Um, then there's you know a coaching change out there. Um. But right now, Tarasenko, um, a couple other guys are on fire out there, and they, they uh, clinched a wild spot um, ahead of uh, the wild out in the uh, central. So, um, yeah, they're coming right back up, just just like the Flyers. Both teams are on fire, and I think the Flyers are 9-2 and two in their last 11, and um, I want to say uh, St. Louis has almost got the same record. So. They kind of got that middle season spark.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. And, and, and
3: don't forget about the Islanders either; they're kicking
0: ass too. Oh, I know. They're still winning, seventy-two points, first in the league. Um, let's do a little rundown here. We'll go. Uh, we'll go through the conferences real quick. Um, I'll start with the with the Atlantic, and you know, I'm not going to spend too much time because it hasn't changed too too much since last week, and. You know, you talk about Tampa Bay, 88 points. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, we're just going to skip over them. Everybody knows how well they're playing. And then Toronto, Boston, and Montreal are, like, all neck and neck, a couple points apart. Um, You know, I I did dismiss Montreal last week, but I caught a couple of their games this weekend, and they're actually playing really well. So, I mean, I don't think I – last week I was counting the Bruins to to pull ahead of Montreal towards the end of the season, but (coughs) I think Montreal – is, is a sleeper in that division. It's sitting right at the number one spot in the wild card, Marley, Montreal. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Buffalo, if you want to talk about Buffalo a little bit, um, you know, they have some firepower up front. They've been pretty good all year, but they just haven't been consistent enough to win enough games to be There's up in that
1: top. right now, actually, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, they, they need a little bit of a, a spark like Pat just said. And then you got Florida, Detroit, and Ottawa just kind of shitting the bed at the end of the division there. Yeah. <laughs> See, see anything happening there. So that's a quick rundown, you know, Toronto and Tampa Bay running away with it, but actually Boston and, you know, Boston, and Montreal are only um, three points out of uh, the second spot with Toronto. Toronto's got 73, Boston, 72 in Montreal, 69. So, I mean, I guess Tampa Bay is just I mean, 60 plus 64. I mean, they're just, just awesome this year. Yeah.
3: The central uh, out in the Western conference, um, Kind of the same. Winnipeg's on top with 75 points. Uh, Nashville's right behind them, 71. Like I said, those two will, will remain up there. Um, Dallas is in third place with 63. Um, so Nashville and Winnipeg would have to lose, um, you know, three, four games in a row, which I don't see that happening. Um, what I just talked about earlier about St. Louis, they're actually 8-2 and two in their last 10. Um, so they they're up at 61 points they jumped ahead of Minnesota um, Minnesota and St. Louis got the wild card out in the west and um, Colorado and Chicago are still at the bottom in that division I don't think you're going to see much change there the only change I, I see is you know Dallas St. Louis and Minnesota that's the only thing to watch in the central is to see what happens with those three teams um, Minnesota's got uh Koivu out with a uh, injury. They got Dumba out with an injury. Um, they got some. They brought some guys up from uh, Iowa, their farm team, to kind of fill the roster. Um, but still, they're they're four four and two their last ten games. So they're not doing too well. So um, we'll see yeah, they what had, happens.
0: They had Rask and. Uh Hendricks got hurt last night too, when they were down to ten forwards in the second and third period so i don't yeah. I didn't really hurt, hear what happened. I know Ras stepped on a puck and Hendricks got his head blasted so he's probably got a concussion <laughs> or some shit about, they've got some injuries I think that guy will play through anything they'll put me on the ice type mentality we're not too worried about him don't know about ras though but in that in that division two Pat, um Chicago's actually been playing pretty well. I don't know if you've seen any of their games, but um they're at de- the last place in the league, but surprisingly been winning some games.
3: Seven and three in their last 10, yeah. They've been winning some games. Their coach is 33 years old.
0: Yeah, he's still playing Fortnite with the guys. Robbie, let's run down the West and then we'll
1: – Yeah, we'll so the-, the West saw a little bit of a change. Calgary has fallen down from second place to fourth – uh, second in the division in, in the Pacific Conference right now, uh, behind San Jose. Vegas is third, uh, with Vancouver. Um, you know, just on the wild card uh, hunt. Arizona um, fifth, Edmonton sixth, L.A. Kings, and then the Ducks, which is no surprise—they're in last place. Just fired oh. their
0: coach. Just
1: just like your their GM.
4: your GM is their coach now.
1: Yeah, yep. <laughs> to me, you know, I'm looking at Edmonton sitting in six. You know, McDavid is the number third points um, in the league, and they're six in the Pacific. So I'm kind of just scratching my, my head there. What Something's not right.
0: They need some help.
1: They need some help.
0: Yeah, the rest of, the, the rest of their team sucks. <laughs> <laughs> they got a couple <laughs> good guys on that team. I mean, I watched them play wild a couple of weeks ago, and, they do have some. Uh, they have some talent, but they just can't put it all together at once. It Seems like yeah, but the ducks. The ducks. I mean, didn't the ducks lose like nine three last night or something? They're just falling apart. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, when your GM is coaching your team, you've got problems.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
3: Edmonton's got Drysdale. They got uh, Brad Malone, Cashin, uh, Nugent Hopkins, that Jesse. Pujarov, that was like high in the draft pick. I want to see their number one draft pick in 2015. Uh, they got Lucci out there to kind of yeah, drop yeah, the club. Yeah. You know, uh, Larson on D, uh, Nurse on D, Darnell Nurse is huge out there. I mean, it seems like on paper they're doing really well. They got Can Talbot in that, um, but I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about Edmonton.
0: Yeah, just to go to the show you can have one superstar in this game and win, and you know, win championships. You have to have a, you know, you have to have a really good goaltender, which is huge, and uh, you know, you got to put the, the rest of the pieces together to have a winning team. What do you got in the Metro He too? Well, I guess the Metro would be like kind of the
4: anomaly. It, it you got the Islanders sitting on top. Um, I think that kind of speaks to like you know, you. It's a team that nobody saw coming, but at the same time. It's a team that you have like a GM and a coach on the same page. You know, um, pretty pretty amazing actually to see where they're at. Um, then you got Washington, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Philly, New Rangers, and the Devils rounding out the bottom. But I think what you're going to see is you'll you'll probably I, I think actually the Islanders will probably hold on to that top spot. Um, I think you'll see uh, Pittsburgh overtake Columbus. And Columbus take probably that first spot and the wild card, um, and then I, I can't I can't imagine um, Montreal squeaking in there, but we'll see what happens in the, in the wild card as far as the wild card goes. I'm saying, but um, Carolina's Carolina's dangerous. This is a league where this is a division. I'm sorry, where there's a lot of teams kind of clumped together in points. You got the top team at 72, and then you know the bottom team uh, at fifty, but when you go to the middle of the pack, you got Carolina at sixty-four points, Pittsburgh sixty-five points, Columbus sixty-seven points, and Washington sixty-nine points. I mean that that division is a complete toss-up. You know, but five
3: points, two it, games. It's,
4: it's, it's unreal. It, it is. It's unreal. Um, I don't think where they lay right now. I don't think a lot of people uh, would have picked this at the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, something that's going to contribute to this is what happens in Columbus to the trade deadline. And we've talked about it a couple of times, um, whether they're going to trade away a couple of the best players. Uh, you know, that's good. They're sitting there in third place in the Metro. So who knows what's going to happen there in the next week. And it's going to yeah. be huge.
3: February 25th is the trade deadline, five o'clock PM Eastern time. Um, I did hear something that uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky, you know, Panarin's, top forward on that team, lean point scorer. Bobrovsky's obviously the goalie. Had a little issue with the team when he got pulled one day. Um, But anyways, it just came out on on the NHL.com that um, Panarin actually dropped his agent and joined with Bobrovsky's agent. So now you, you have one agent for the both of these guys who, you know, the rumor has been that they want to get traded so it's just easier to be talking to one guy to get traded and and, uh, on top of that I heard um, Florida's very very interested the Panthers interested in picking those two guys up so we'll see what happens but that that's the headlines uh, for the trade deadline coming up here February
0: 25th. And In Carolina have you guys seen Sebastian Ho play? He's pretty nasty
3: is nasty. What what do you guys think of that whole thing they're doing down there in Carolina
0: after the game? Oh, I know. Did you see the one with the bowling? They rolled the helmet and everybody was standing in center ice and the guys all fell down when the helmet hit the first guy. What do you guys think?
3: Do you like it or no? I'm not a big fan of it. That's kind of not what the NHL is about. There's a lot of big NHL guys or top guys, you know, Don Cherry, uh, Clark, I think, I forget his first name. He had some pretty harsh words about it, um, thinking you know maybe put on a fine or <laughs> that. Um, I don't like it. I think it's kind of childish, but uh, yeah, it's some
0: Mickey Mouse shit. Yeah, but you know what? You you do, you think of the N H or the N F L? Um, after every time they score a fucking point, now they got to do like some circus act in the in the end zone. You know, <laughs> like what the yeah. fuck is that shit? Same kind of deal, right? So. I mean, it's happening in other sports. It's just a different level. It's after the game. I mean, most of it's not televised because, you know. It's I don't after.
3: know. I mean, when you score a touchdown in the NFL, I mean, I can see you doing something like that. It's tough to score in the NFL. And in hockey, you have sellies, right, celebrations after you score. You pull the arrow out of your case and you shoot an arrow into the fans. That's after you score or after you get a touchdown. But this is after the game win or lose they do some <laughs> fucking dumb bowling or they they played duck duck goose the other day like yeah, there's yeah. no way I was at that stadium I watched that game they lost and they started fucking playing duck duck goose I'm already out the door I'm not I, I'm shocked with Rob Brindamore as their head
4: coach that's with Rob Brindamore yeah yeah that's I guess that that would be the most shocking part to
3: me I mean, they yeah. do that shit over in the KHL and the Swiss Elite League and shit like that. And I don't think there's a place for it in the NHL. Rob, 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 what Rob
1: you, what do look you look like you're
3: bat in his eyes.
1: I, yeah, I could really care less. I mean, he, they've got you talking about it.
0: They've got you talking about it. They need some kind of
1: publicity. you. Yeah, yeah. i me to say to you, I could care less. <laughs> Like you said, if if the game sucked and they lost, I'm not sticking around for no fucking duck duck goose. But
3: <laughs> what if Owen wanted to
0: watch it?
1: Well, Would then you throw your, probably, your beer on Yeah,
0: <laughs> depends if they're 9.95. Yeah, so uh, Carolina, they had a decent team. They're doing some crazy shit down there. Um, I did see like a bunch of highlights from Sebastian Aho the other day, and that guy doesn't get enough press. I think he's he's a pretty good player. Oh so yeah, he's is, nasty. yeah, he's legit. Want to mention him quick? Um, you know, so we got a lot of games coming up this week. I think they're probably down to uh, what about uh, twenty? Only twenty some games left, right?
3: What about the uh, women's hockey, Mark? What's the there? USA versus Canada?
0: Oh yeah, big uh, yeah. rivalry. I was watching a game one the other night, and uh, they got rowdy there, huh? It did get rowdy, man. There's they a fist thrown. Face washing, throwing fists. I mean that was awesome, good stuff to see. And there's a couple body checks they let go. And I wasn't like aware of how rough it could get.
3: That's the two thousand nineteen rivalry series, they call it. the so US USA or US women's national team versus US I mean versus Canada. And uh, it's the best of three series. Uh, USA won. Um I'm trying to pull up the score here. I watched one a nothing. little bit.
1: There's one nothing. Nothing. yeah. Hillary Knight scored
3: it. Yeah, I saw that. Um, but I don't know really about you know what it's for. I don't think they've done this before. Maybe they're promoting women's hockey. Um, you know, you know. The only thing I was thinking when I was watching the game, you know, with USA and Canada being neighbors and being at you know top of women's hockey. Just another way to promote women's hockey and to you know make their teams better, right? So um, that's the only thing I could
0: think of. Yeah, and wow. they're getting paid. You know, they get paid no matter what, like whether it's an Olympic year or not. They still get a salary every year. So I'm assuming they've got to play a certain number of games to earn that money. Yeah, Earn that money. Yeah. So did you guys also notice that all the refs were females too?
3: I did see that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't know that. And I also saw something on Facebook where people were saying sexist.
3: That, the, they're sexist.
0: that the NHL should introduce uh, female refs. And I'm thinking they're going to get fucking blasted trying to break up a fight or, you know, that's, right. that was the only thing. I mean, they could probably keep up with the play because they got four refs, but I would just think like if they're scrums and they're in the, like trying to break shit up, that wouldn't be good.
3: I know. Like, it always comes back to me. Like I understand, you know, women's rights and things like that, but there's just some things that women shouldn't do like, you know, he, like Joe Rogan said it perfect on his stand up comedy tour that, you know, to protect the White House, you know, you know, the I think there's a guy that broke in, jumped the fence and got into the White House. And anyways, he was just saying something along the lines that uh, there's just some jobs that, you know, it's specifically for men. And then there's some jobs that are specifically for women. And you just don't mix the two. And I think that's one of the, that goes, that's true to uh, being a ref in the NHL. I mean, you have to be in there breaking up fights and.
0: uh, Yeah, it's a huge controversy between, you know, um, you know, to say anything about inequality and stuff, it's hard to talk about. But, you know, for me, I kind of like the masculinity masculinity of being a man and being tough and, you know, that kind of thing. And I also like. The fact of women being feminine and you know doing you know girly type shit because that's what kind of women I like. But you know everybody has their own opinions on stuff. I don't want my yeah. wife fucking breaking up fights and shit like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think um, you yeah. could. I mean, you could probably
4: put one women's rep, you know, uh, yeah, like a linesman, no doubt about it. You know what I mean? Because I know. I mean, you got women's uh, you have you have women um, as like side judges in the NFL now, and I mean those people are. Blasting each other in between plays too, so I mean, you could probably, you could definitely put one, I think, but yeah, you can we'll get a see. line on there. Yeah,
0: see how it goes. Why not? Why not? Yeah, Mons? we won't get into that much more of that subject. Because <laughs> we don't want to piss anybody off into today's uh, Too late. So, too late. do don't don't But a uh, good interview tonight, guys. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of our uh, hockey real quick. We wanna. Give them a quick shout out. They're a big sponsor of Blue Line Hockey Club now. and We've been trying out their sticks for the last couple of weeks, and uh, they seem to perform just as well as the Warrior and Bowers of the world. And um, you know, If you're looking for a stick for 140 bucks as opposed to $300, uh, it's a good alternative. If you're in a men's league and you don't want to shell out big dough, you can get the same quality sticks. So okay, get on uh, com and, and check out their stuff. It's pretty cool stuff.
3: Yeah, no brainer. Uh, great interview tonight with uh, George the Rock, man. It was an honor to speak with him. Just you know, growing up watching him play in the NHL and kicking the shit out of
1: people. He's um, a tough fucker. So that was cool.
3: Yeah, and I can't believe
0: you wouldn't fight him, Rob. That. Was-
1: <laughs> well, I wasn't. I mean, turtle.
0: Look, you know, he said that he never hit anybody. Uh, after they fell down, but if you go to his website, he's got like a two-hour fucking <laughs> video of him fighting people. I mean, seriously, it's two fucking hours long. Well, he's got to right. be pr- proud. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't watch t- all two hours, but I watched enough of it to see him punch a lot of dudes that were on the ice. So yeah, just, I, I didn't want to call him. I don't think you remember a lot of stuff when you're in a fight. No, at least man. you know. Yeah, so at least so time. too. He said <laughs> he He kind of, like, knocked a lot of, like, he was so strong, he ended up pulling a lot of guys down to the ice um, just by, like, kind of getting wrapped up, throwing punches, and, you know, he would just kind of over-muscle, you know. I don't know if you guys saw pictures of him with his shirt off and shit online. Like, he's a fucking monster. He's just oh, ripped. Sure. He's ripped. He's, like, uh, you know, fucking toned. It's like, like he said, they thought he was on steroids, so they tested him, and it's kind of yeah. Any reason why you're looking at pictures of him with a shirt off online? Or- <laughs> hey, I was trying to dig, man. I got to get information on these people. Oh, that's, that's
3: dedication right there.
0: Yeah, All check right, it buddy.
3: out. Yeah, check it out. We got Ryan DeRocher coming on next weekend. He's in the uh, USHL and in, in the Sioux City. Musketeers.
0: Yeah,
3: so um, stay, uh, check out our next podcast. for uh, to listen to that one, North Country Boy.
0: Yeah, and get on to BlueLineHockeyClub.com. dot com. You can see all of our, all of our podcasts are on there. We've got forty seven of them, almost forty eight now. So if you haven't caught what some of our earlier ones, go back and check those out. Uh, like us on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, give us a shout out on that too. So until next time, folks, keep your stick on the ice. Tell ya.
1: Bill. Oh, Oh, B. What's up, fellas? Keep your head up.